Hey, I'm Pastor Joel, and I just want to say thank you for downloading or streaming this message today. My prayer for you is that you're blessed by the content that you hear. As a church, our desire is to make disciples of Jesus, and we do that by helping people to trust and follow Him in every aspect of their daily life. So if this is something that blesses you, we just hope that you'll feel free to share this with others so that they might be encouraged and challenged by it as well. Most of you I have not seen since our Christmas Eve service, so I hope you had a great Christmas and New Year. Everybody doing good? All right, fantastic. It's great to have you here with us this morning. And uh, as we jump into 2020, uh, if you're a guest of ours this morning, we do something a little bit different around here. If you're kind of new to our church, we celebrate the Word of God. We love the Word of God. We believe that it gives us life and hope, teaches us about life. And so let's start 2020 off with a great celebration this morning as we turn to uh, Ephesians chapter 4. That's where we're going to start out. And we're going to just celebrate that truth. We're also going to be this morning in Joshua chapter 24 in just a minute, but start with Ephesians chapter 4. That's where we're going to begin. And as we start this new year, uh, still without flying cars, mind you, nobody uh, flew here this morning. Well, I'm kind of disappointed about that. I don't know what you're disappointed about. Maybe it's that we don't have like teleportation or actual human cloning or anything like that, which is kind of a bad thing, actually. But uh, uh, I don't know what you're disappointed in, but there's a lot of stuff that's great that's happening as we move into this next year and into the year 2020. It's kind of one of those years that for was out in the future. It was a vision kind of thing. And everybody had predictions about what 2020 was going to be like. And now here we are right at the precipice of it. We're standing here right at the beginning of this new year. And we're excited about what God's going to do in our lives throughout this year. So we want to just follow after him and see what's going to be taking place. And as a church, you're going to be hearing us talk this month specifically, but throughout the year about a a phrase that you've already heard mentioned one time today. uh, And some, some just simple words that we're going to be really focused in on for the year of 2020. And that's spiritual maturity. That we're going to be focused as a church on what it looks like to grow in spiritual maturity. That we believe that the God has called us each as followers of Christ to grow in our faith, to be spiritually mature people who are united together in heart, in mind, in body, so that we can follow his commands and carry out everything that he's called us to. And so this morning, I want us to look at a a passage of scripture to see what it looks like uh, for us to be disciples of Jesus, who make disciples of Jesus. That's what spiritually mature disciples do. Uh, They don't just know Jesus. They help others to know him and grow in their faith. And I have to tell you uh, that based on what Melissa said earlier on stage today, she's already basically preached my, my, my message. Uh, she didn't know that, and I didn't know that, but uh, we could have already been done for the day. Uh, so just follow along with me, bear with me. But here's what I want you to see even before we get into Scripture. The first fill in the blanks, if you're following along, if you like to take notes on some things, here's what I want you to see first. When it comes to spiritual maturity, Jesus is always the focus. And the goal of everything when it comes to spiritual maturity is Christ-likeness. That's what we desire to be. Jesus is always the focus of spiritual maturity, and the goal is Christ-likeness. And so we're going to see that as we get into Ephesians chapter 4. Look at verses 11 through 16. And Paul writes, and he says this, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 is where he starts. He says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. And we become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, 
speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. That's Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And so what we see in this is that Jesus gave us the means to be spiritually mature people. He says at the very beginning, Paul says, hey, listen, Jesus gave us apostles and pastors and teachers and evangelists and all of these different things to equip his people. And so Jesus gave us spiritual maturity as a means of escaping from being blown back and forth by every wind. He goes, I, I gave you these, uh, these teachers, pastors, evangelists, uh, teachers, all these different things to help you reach a place of maturity. And the goal in that, according to Paul, is so that you won't be tossed back and forth by every wave that comes along. That there are all kinds of deceitful, scheming people in our world that will take God's word and they'll bend the truth just a little bit. And they'll try to tell, tell you something that kind of sounds right, but it's just a little bit off. And I don't know if you've ever been on a, a long trip before, but if you start a trip just a little bit off, by the time you go hundreds of miles, you're a long way in the wrong direction, right? He says the same thing can be true as Christians when we get to a place where we believe anything we hear, where we just take things in, we don't know if it's true or not, if it's just a measure off, but it's not quite the fullness of God. If somebody takes the truth of God's word, but bends it just slightly or wants to move us in a wrong direction, he goes, by the time you get to the end of your life, you probably will believe some crazy things. It starts out really simple and rudimentary and basic but by the time you get to the duration of your life, you're going to have missed the mark by a long shot. So he says, I want you to know what it means to be spiritually mature so that you get to a place in your life where you feel confident that you know the word of God, that you know Jesus plainly, that you're full of the Holy Spirit and that you're not tossed back and forth by every wind and wave that comes along and has the capacity to move you away from Jesus. So being spiritually mature allows us to see God properly. That's one huge thing. When we're spiritually mature, we have an understanding of who God is. We see him properly. We understand what he's trying to tell us about himself. But it also means that we understand how God sees us. Spiritually mature people have this ability to say, I know how God sees me. There are times that you're going to mess up in your life. There are times that you're going to fall into sin. There are things that you're going to do that miss the mark of God's standard, of his glory, of his perfection. And if you don't know God well, then you're going to beat yourself up and you're going to think that God is in heaven with lightning bolts ready just to throw at you every time you mess up, every time sin enters your life. And nothing could be further from the truth. If you have invited Jesus Christ into your life, the Bible says that God no longer sees you in your sinfulness, in your sinful state. He sees the glory and the perfection of his son through you. Your sin has been forgiven as far as the east is from the west. It's never again to be seen or touched by God. And so we don't have to condemn ourselves. In fact, Romans 8 says, there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because the spirit of God has set us free from the spirit of sin and death. Right? And so when we see these things come out, spiritually mature people know how to see God, know how to understand who God is, and they know how God sees them. They understand, we understand as spiritually mature people how God sees us. So we want to be equipped in that. Now we're going to come back to Ephesians chapter 4 and chapter 5 in the coming weeks as we go in through this next four or five week series that we're going to do. 
But this morning, I want us to jump to the Old Testament book of Joshua. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Joshua chapter 24. And we're going to look at that passage uh, pretty much for the rest of our time together this morning. But here's what I want you to know. If you're not familiar with Joshua in the Old Testament, uh, Moses led the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt. Uh, and as he did that, he had a second in command as they were going into the promised land. But Moses did not get to enter into the promised land. He had to have a second in command that was going to lead the people in so that they could take the land that God had given to them. And so Joshua is the second in command to Moses. He comes in and he's the military leader. He's the commander of the Hebrew people of the nation of Israel. And he gives the people their inheritance. Now, as we get to the end of the book of Joshua, all of the battles have been fought. The land has been given to them. They're coming into their inheritance. And Joshua calls all the tribes together. And he says, we need to have one last meeting. And here's what I want to tell you. My time is getting short. I'm about to go the way of all the earth. And here's what I want to leave you with. And so here's Joshua's last words to the people. Joshua chapter 24, starting verse 14. It says, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether, you're, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And so that's Joshua's challenge to the people. Joshua had seen the power of God. He had determined that nothing else was more valuable than God. He had said, I've seen what God's done as he's brought us out of slavery. I've seen what he's done as he's led us through the wilderness. I've seen what God's done as we've taken the promised land. I know the power of God. I know the person of God and the presence of God. And so now Joshua challenges the people to choose for themselves who he's going to serve. And here's what I want you to see. He doesn't force them. He doesn't go, listen, we're supposed to be God's people. You're going to do this or else. If you don't do this, you're all going to die. I'm going to kill you. This is what we're going to do. He doesn't do that. He goes, I want you to choose for yourselves this day who you're going to serve. You have this choice. You can look back at the gods of Egypt that we were under in captivity for so long. You can look at the gods of the Amorite people whose land we've come into. You can look at the different gods that we saw throughout the wilderness wanderings and the journey years that God had us on. And you can choose if you want to, to follow them. But you've also seen the power of Yahweh God, the supernatural creator of everything. The God who chose you, who rescued you, who redeemed you. And you have a choice. You choose for yourselves this day who you'll serve. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And so Joshua comes to this moment where he makes a declaration that's first and foremost personal to him. He says, as for me, I'll serve the Lord. And then because of what he's seen God do in his life, he says, because of what God's done in me, I want my family to follow after him. I want them to know him because God's brought me to a place of spiritual maturity in my journey with him. I want others in my family, those closest to me to have that same journey, that same relationship with God. And so Joshua makes that declaration. First and foremost, this is personal for me. I'll serve the Lord. And because of what God has done in my life, I want my family to serve the Lord. He commits to leading his family. So here's the next blanks on your outline if you're taking notes again. Spiritual maturity is an individual commitment but it's best pursued in deep relationships with other people. Spiritual maturity is always going to be a personal commitment, but it's best pursued in deep relationships with other people. And so Joshua says, as for me, this is a personal commitment. It's my life that I want to follow after God and I want to be on mission with him and I want to be in relationship with him. But the best way I can think to do that is to bring my family along with me. 
I want my family to know the goodness of God and the power of God and the heart of God. And I want them to follow after him and pursue him with everything that they have in him. And so he says, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. So here's the next blanks. Joshua says, as an individual, that he'll serve the Lord. This is for him. This is Joshua. As for me, and until you make your own spiritual growth a priority, it doesn't make a lot of sense to try to lead other people, does it? We don't lead other people where we haven't been most of the time. Melissa said it this way, you lead best when your cup is full. And so when our cup is full, when I myself make the declaration that I'm going to follow God, it becomes a personal experience for me to journey with him, to walk with him, to be obedient to him, to be faithful to him, to honor him, to please him. And then as I do that, and I have a spiritual maturity and depth that comes from that relationship with God, I start to say, I want others to come with me. My first natural place of bringing others along is my family. I want my wife and my kids and my grandkids and their grandkids to know Christ and follow after him. And so Joshua says that. It comes through commitment to spending time in God's word and prayer. If you're going to be someone who's going to grow spiritually this year, and that's going to be the challenge for all of us. How do we become people who grow spiritually? What does that look like for you? It takes place when you spend time deliberately, intentionally, personally in God's word and in prayer. You need to get to know the God of the Bible. We don't just celebrate it because it's something we do in church. We should celebrate it and cheer just as ruckusly at home when we open up God's word and read it for ourselves. That we say, this is the word of God, his very letters written to us given to inspire us, given to teach us, given to mold us and shape us to understand who he is, who we are and how to have a relationship with him. And so we want people to know that. So be in God's word, be committed to prayer and then be led by the Holy Spirit to look more like Jesus. That has to be key. This is not just something that you do in your own power is you've got to be led by the spirit of God. You've got to ask God through his word and through prayer to place his spirit deeply inside of you so that you can walk with him and journey with him and hear from him and know how to listen and obey him. So walk with the Holy Spirit. Uh, then another way that we do this and we think about uh, is committing to grow in knowledge. If we're going to be spiritually mature people, there needs to be an understanding, not just to, to read God's word and pray and those things, but to understand it, to know it. We want you to know what you believe and why you believe it. That's why one of the things that we're going to be doing this year for our church specifically is we're going to offer a class beginning in February. Uh, I believe it's the first Sunday or first Monday, excuse me, of February. I think I'll get those dates for you. But we're going to be offering a class taught by Cliff Ward. Cliff is a professor of theology, a doctor of theology at Milligan University. Uh, he attends our church. He and his family go to church here. And he's going to be offering a class on doctrine and theology. Uh, when I went to seminary, we took systematic theology. And it was one of the best classes that I've ever taken. Uh, that's essentially what Cliff is going to be leading us through as a church. And so on Monday nights, we would love for you to come and grow in your knowledge and understanding of the deep truths of God's word, of what he's done, of who he is, of who you are, of what the world is about through the lens of doctrine and theology. So if you're in your 20s or 30s, uh, or if you're a newer believer, newer to the faith, this would be an outstanding opportunity for you to get engaged, to be involved to hear some deep things that'll help bolster your faith and raise you up to a level of understanding that maybe you've never had before about God and his word. So we'd love for you to be a part of that. It's open for everybody, but specifically those groups, I think would be so beneficial and so helpful to you. Uh, here's the other thing that I would say. Uh, other ways that you can grow personally and commit to spiritual maturity and growth. Join a life group. Be a part of our life group ministries. 
Ask someone personally to disciple you. What Melissa said earlier rings so true. If you've got someone who's further along in their journey with Christ than you are, and you ask them to personally invest in you, or maybe you are that person who's further along in your journey with Christ, and you've never poured into and discipled someone else, this is your year. To say, I'm going to step into that role that God has called me to, to be a disciple maker. I want to mentor someone. I want to disciple them. I want to pour into them and show them how to live for Christ. Maybe that's your calling this year. So be in a life group. Be involved one-on-one with, with discipleship. Be engaged with our men's and women's Bible studies. This is another place to grow in knowledge. Our men's and women's groups are going to be doing Bible studies this year. Be a part of those things. Now listen, here's what you could be sitting there hearing right now. Come to church, come to church, come to church, come to church, come to church. Let your whole world be about church, and we want to just destroy your life by being involved at the church. (laughs) That's not what I'm trying to say at all. What I want you to hear is this, that you need to know, based on your spiritual maturity level, what stage of life you're in and what you need most. You need to be in corporate worship. You need to be in life group. And then above that, you need to choose one of these things that I've just been talking about. They will help you take next steps in your faith. Maybe it's the Monday night class on theology. Maybe it's the men's Bible study, women's Bible study, being discipled by someone. You need to find and ask questions of God and the Holy Spirit. Where am I at in my spiritual journey with you? And what will help me take a next step in my growth to move forward continually to follow after you? And then do that this semester. And do that this year. And if you need help trying to figure out where you are and what might be best for you next, Our staff team or elders would love to talk to you and just hear about your personal journey with Christ and then help you say, maybe this will be a great next step for you to take, all right? But pray through those things and know that everything starts personally. This is a personal journey that starts with you. Here's what Joshua says next, if you're taking notes. Joshua speaks about following the Lord, not just individually, but as the leader of his family. He says, as for me, I'll serve the Lord, but as for me and my house, will serve the Lord. He wants to be a spiritual leader. So let me talk to the men for just a minute. Guys, if you are a husband, if you're a father, this is an area that we need to step up in leadership. God has called us as men in our homes to embrace the role of being the spiritual leader. And so we need to take that step this year in the place of of growing towards spiritual maturity to lead the hearts of our wives and our kids to know and follow Jesus more intimately and more fully in the year ahead. God has placed you strategically in your home to not be the Lord over your family, but to be the servant leader with a heart like Christ to lead your family spiritually. And we need to do that. We need to take that calling spiritually. And as you make disciples in your home, you're following the great commission. You're equipping the next generation, your children, your spouse. You're equipping one another in your home to follow after God and to raise other generations in the future. This is discipleship. It starts first and foremost in the home. Before we go out and disciple so many other people, what are you doing in your home to invest in your wife, to invest in your children, to invest in your grandchildren? How do we do that? This is a place of spiritual maturity. And this is a place where I see guys all the time, men all the time going, man, I just want an adventure in life. I want something that stirs my heart, that brings me to a place where I'm just excited. And unfortunately, so many times when you talk to guys in the church, they just go, I mean, I come to church because that's what my wife wants me to be here with her. And and then we come and kind of sit in the dark and we sing songs and that's not really my thing. And then a guy gets on stage and talks for 30 minutes and I have to sit there and listen. And it's just not really my thing. And, and church just kind of becomes this boring piece of your life that you do. I hope you don't feel that way, but I hear that from guys a lot. 
And what they don't understand and what we miss as men is that this is the great adventure that God has called us to, to disciple your family, to lead spiritually, to be a part of the work that God is doing in this world, to change the world through disciples of Jesus who walk with him and know him and then call others into that. That's the adventure that God wants to stir in your heart. He wants you to lead well in your home. There's no greater sense of calling that you will have in your life as a man than to lead your family well. So that's for this, guys. Now, ladies, some of you may be in a place where you kind of have that spiritual role of maturity and leadership in your home. Either you're a single mom or you've married someone who's not a believer, and, and so you kind of carry that mantle. Carry it well. Take that role that God has placed for all of us to be spiritual leaders and say, what does it look like for me to love my husband well and to lead my kids and to show them what it means to follow after Jesus and to help bring them along and then ask God continually to place that burden on the, the man in your life or the person that, that you have in authority over you to say, God, will you draw them to yourself and let them be changed by you? Love them and serve them well and raise your kids to know, love, and follow Jesus, and then let God handle the rest of it as you pray faithfully for him to change people's lives. So here's what I want you to hear. Uh, Joshua, when he says this, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. I don't think this is one of those things where he's holding a knife to his kids' throats and going, you will do this, kids, right? Like Joshua's not being a bully here. He's not saying forcefully, we will do this or else. I think Joshua's just saying, this is the intent of my heart. This is the direction God's called me. I want my family to come after me. As I follow God, I want them to mimic my vibrant faith and follow after God. That's his whole heart. That's what we're called to be doing as well as parents and as leaders. And here's what I want you to hear as a newsflash this morning. You can't make your kids believe and have the faith that you have. You just can't. Maybe when they're young and when they're little, they're very impressionable. You can teach them and you can tell them this is what we believe and this is why we believe and this is why we do things and this is why we want you to do certain things and this is how you behave and act in different places, especially at church. Here's what we want you to be about. But as they become middle schoolers and high schoolers and college students and young adults, guess what? They're going to make up their own mind about what they believe and what direction they go in life. We pray and hope that most of our children will follow Christ for the duration of their life, but there are those that will not. They'll make their own decisions. They'll make their own choices. That does not mean that you messed up as a parent. It doesn't mean you did something wrong and you have a burden of blame to bear. It just means that they've chosen for themselves who they will follow and who they will serve. Our role then becomes to constantly be praying for God to draw them to him. And so we need to be people who understand how to disciple our kids to faith. And here's what they'll see as they grow up and become middle schoolers, high schoolers, college students, young adults. They're not going to say, you know what? I follow Jesus because my parents told me to. This is what our family does. They're going to say, I follow Jesus because mom and dad or grandma and grandpa poured into my heart a love for God. And their faith was so vibrant and so strong I wanted nothing else in my life but to have the faith that they had. That's what it looks like. You follow and pursue Christ. You pour into your kids and you pray that God lets them stay faithful and true throughout their life. And you pray until there's not a breath left in their body anymore. There is no one that's beyond hope until they take their last breath. 
So if you have a wayward child right now or grandchild right now, you keep praying faith. You keep modeling Christ. You keep leading as a spiritually mature person, growing and deepening your faith, asking God to change them, all right? Here's what I want you guys to see, men, especially for us coming up this year. Uh, there's going to be several things that we're going to do to hopefully help build spiritual maturity as leaders in the home. First, there's going to be a men's conference on February 1st. That's a Saturday called No Regrets. It's going to be a simulcast event that we're going to host here at the church. We're going to join churches from all over the nation and potentially all over the world to be a part of that No Regrets men's conference. We'd love for you guys to plan on being here. Join us for that. Make your calendar plans now. Uh, secondly, we're going to host a marriage conference here at GFC this year. Uh, we haven't nailed down the dates and all the finalized stuff for that yet. Yeah, but sometime at the end of the winter, early part of the spring, we're going to be hosting a, a marriage conference. We'll let you know far enough out that you can plan uh, accordingly to be here. But men, when that is offered, make sure you do everything possible to get yourself and your wife here for that. It's going to be a great time, and we want to connect with people as we go through that, all right? Uh, so make that a priority of leaving, leading in your home. All right, here's my last point for this morning, and then we're going to, uh, to talk to a few people just, just briefly. Uh, here's the last point. Spiritual maturity always includes healthy activity within the local church. Spiritual maturity always includes uh, consistent healthy activity within the local church. Uh, Barna Group now tells us that for people who call themselves spiritually mature and for churches who say the most spiritually mature people that we have in our churches attend church two times a month. That's down in average from the last 20 years of three times a month. Uh, people are just attending church less and less frequently. And so when you look at that and say, on average, that means that the spiritually mature people in the local church are in church 26 times a year. And so when you think about that, and I, I believe more often than not that our church is kind of above average. I just kind of have that pessimistic ap uh, opportunity in my, my life. Uh, optimistic. I'm optimistic, right? <laughs> I'm also an idiot. So... <laughs> I think a lot of us do a great job of being here as often as we can. But again, that's something that Melissa said when she talked up here earlier today. She's like, make the commitment to be in church as often as humanly possible. Be in church. It means something when we gather together. It's important for us to do that. And then the final thing that we do as we're part of the body of Christ, it means that God helps take us to these things, to reach our neighbors and to reach the nations. And we do that as we're on mission together. That's why being a part of the local body is so important. Because yourself, you can go into your neighborhood, into your community, into your workplace, and you can be on mission for Christ. But when we come together as the church, we can accomplish and do a lot more, and we can send more broadly out into the rest of the world. And so I want you to hear this morning as we close up from a few people that are going to be leading mission trips for us this year and are going to be talking just for a couple of minutes each about the trips that they're going to be leading. So I'm going to start uh, by, let's see who's first on my list. Uh, Josh Burke is going to come up. Uh, Josh is going to be leading. Is he here? He was here. He played guitar this morning on stage. So I know he's around. Somebody yell really loud for Josh Burke to come in. There he is. Hey, buddy. Good to see you. You just like making a grand interest, don't you? It's good. Come on up here, man. Grab a microphone. Um, this is Josh Burke, and he's going to be leading our team this year uh, to Kentucky. This is an annual trip that we do. It was one time just a youth mission trip. We've kind of transformed it into a family trip. So kids of all ages go. My, my kids have gone on this trip uh, from the ages of, of eight and nine years old. And so uh, it's a great opportunity. But tell us a little bit about, in two minutes or less, what the Kentucky mission trip is going to look like this year. Uh, this year, we're going to kind of take a little bit of 
points from disaster relief and kind of what we'll be focused on. And uh, one thing that um, Joel's dad always reminds us every day before we go out is that it's not about the work. It's not about the painting. It's not about the roofing. It's about the people. It's about mm -hmm. the connection. And so no matter what jobs we get, we're going to focus on spending that time with that family and making that connection um, and just really getting, hoping to get a chance to, to share the word with them, uh, yeah. share our love for them. And so we're uh, I'm going to take that back each day, debrief about it, you know, and talk about how it affected us yeah. and what we saw and just hopefully try to evolve and see what the team can learn and, and what cool. we can do for those people in that area. That's awesome. Uh, where, where is that in Kentucky? Middle Fork. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Making sure. We're going to the same place. So, uh, yeah, Middle Fork. And do we have dates lined up for that one yet? Yes, it's going to be in July. I believe it's the uh, 23rd to the 26th okay. of July. All right, awesome. Um, and so that, that worked around my schedule. So sorry Great. if it didn't fit anybody else. <laughs> I didn't get to go last year. So if you did yeah. camp this year, then well, it's my turn. Awesome. It's a fantastic trip. We hope you'll be a part of that. You can find more information about that in our gathering area. There's a magnet board out there that has cards on it. You can find out more information about that trip. Or you can just talk to Josh, uh, who will probably be here. He might be late, but he'll be here. So thanks, man. Appreciate it. You guys give Josh a hand. Uh, thanks so much. Uh, Cole Maupin, why don't you come up? Uh, Cole is our director of Team 56 here at Grace Fellowship. That's our fifth and sixth grade ministry. And he's going to be leading a team this year. Uh, last year, he attended this trip. This year, he's going to be leading it going to Nicaragua. And so uh, why don't you come up here and tell us just a little bit about uh, the trip that you're taking and give us uh, some thoughts about how we can connect with you on that trip. Well, I hope I'm not going by myself. Andy's actually the main leader for it, so we're kind of co-leading it. Hopefully, I'll get to lead it by myself next year. Um, but last year, we went and um, did some work um, throughout uh, Managua, or well, not really Managua, but Granada and um, Messiah. Messiah. Yeah. And um, mainly, we the way that they have it set up is that they use us as a means to, to get in homes and to, to talk to people and to share the gospel. And then each community that we go into, it, it's very different from here because it's like there's a church on every corner, but it's like they can't drive 25 minutes, you know, to go to another church. Like they just go to the, the church at the corner, like at the corner of whatever street that they live on. So those, those churches are strategically, you know, following up after we go and visit with these houses. And if, if you know, they accept the gospel and they, you know, make a profession of faith or whatever, uh, the churches will come in afterwards and begin a discipling process and say, well, what does it mean to truly follow Jesus? Is it, It's not just saying, like, I believe, you know, but it's also, it's like literally denying yourself and following Christ every day. And so it's really interesting because it's not just we're going for a week and just leaving everybody, like, to, to fend for themselves afterwards and, like, we're throwing a Bible at them and just saying, good luck. It, the churches down there are are investing behind us, yeah. and so it's a it's a constant thing where people are getting saved and being discipled, and, and it, it was really an awesome trip. Cool. So. Do you have dates for that one yet? Shoot, I think it's towards the uh, towards the end of July or uh, June. Okay. Um, it's information outside, so yeah, you yeah. can find that information out in the gathering area as well. And Cole will be out there. You can talk to him, and he'll uh, he'll love to share with you more about that trip. And so uh, that'll be great. All right. Thanks so much, man. Great job. Appreciate you. Okay.
All right. Uh, hey, next is Varinka Williams. Why don't you come up? Varinka is going to be uh, with her husband leading a trip again this year. This is, uh, you guys have gone multiple times, 10 plus years, yeah, yeah. To, uh, to El Salvador. Yeah. And that's with an organization that we partner with called Global Health Outreach. So why don't you tell us just briefly about, uh, about how they can connect with that trip and what you'll be doing there. Okay. Uh, we partner uh, with the local church in uh, El Salvador. And uh, they pray and fast to see the location where we're going to be setting up a medical clinic. And uh, usually it's in a town that is really poor and uh, there are are no churches. And uh, so we set up the clinic there for uh, five days. And uh, and we share the gospel and we love people. And uh, and within the team, uh, usually there are people that are no believers. Uh, So God works within the team and then we go there. And it's in women. We also uh, held a pastor and, and meet with the pastors, the local pastors. So it's something that God works. It's just it's just amazing yeah. what, what He does. We usually don't. Uh, last year we didn't do like recruiting, whatever that means. <laughs> but God brought the team together. He put it together from all over the United States. And we were just amazed what He did. So this is God's trip. And uh, if you want to make a you know, we make decisions all the time, you know, what clothes we wear and stuff like that. And we, not, we don't even pray about that. And I was thinking about missions. And I thought, you know, we always get scared about going on mission. And we should not be because that is the only job that we have that we're going to win. Because God <laughs> won. God knows. I mean, he knows his plan. He's going to do it. And everybody's going to know about him. Yeah. And we get scared when we have to make a decision. So we go to a mission trip. We should not be. It's the only thing that we're winning. So just something to think about. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Varinka. And man, that is a trip. You do not have to have medical expertise to go on the trip. There's a vision clinic, a dental clinic, a pharmacy that's set up, and they need all kinds of people that can, if if all you can do is count pills in the pharmacy, that's great. Go on the trip. Uh, They would love to have you. They just need help. And then the the medical professionals who go do a great job. Gordon and Varinka lead that team. Gordon is a doctor and uh, and does a great job of leading out in that. But that would be a phenomenal trip for you to go on. And there's there's information out there in the lobby as well, the gathering area as well. So thanks so much for Varinka. Awesome. And then Paul Wingfield, why don't you come up? Our final uh, final person to share this morning about our mission trips. Uh, Paul is going to be, he's our student pastor here at Grace Fellowship and uh, is going to be taking our team to our students to Infuge mm-hmm. again this year. Uh, so tell us a little bit about that first, then we'll talk about your other ministry in a minute. Uh, yeah, so this will be my second year going to Infuge. I actually, uh, last year was the first time I went and I'd like just got hired like a month before we went. So it was a miracle that I got all the students there and they actually got to attend the camp. Um, So I'm a little bit more prepared this year. I know what's going on. Um, But so Infuge is, uh, we're going to Ridgecrest Conference Center in uh, Black Mountain, North Carolina. And what it is, is it's a camp for students where we get to go out and actually do mission work. You know, you think of most camps and they're doing the zip lines and uh, blobs and doing, you know, all this Um, adventure type activity Uh, this one is geared around missions and so we really want to take our students and say hey like we're gonna go out and serve in the community and so kind of a day at at Infuge looks like um, we start our mornings with devotionals Um, each of the students will be kind of split up into uh, like small groups and they'll have a a leader that is with them the entire week at camp uh, or the entire four, four days that we're there and so they're doing we're doing devotionals we're doing worship before we go out and then we'll go out and we'll spend uh, half a day to three quarters of a day, either doing 
um, evangelism work um, in, it's near Asheville so there's a, a pretty big homeless population there and so we're going out and just doing uh, evangelism and, and, and getting to know people there um, there's work with kids there's construction work there's kind of all these different tracks that uh, you get to, to choose from uh, as to what you're interested in or maybe what you're uncomfortable with I'm construction is pretty easy for me so like I wanted to do street evangelism that's kind of uncomfortable for me so but they didn't give it to me. They gave me construction because they needed people to do it. So, um, but it's a really, it's just a great opportunity. And it's a great time to, uh, man, just connect with other students, you know, your age and to, and just be around people that love Jesus and share this, this experience together and to serve people. I, I'll give you one short story. The lady that we were building a, a, a ramp for, um, we, there was like 30 students there and it wasn't just our students. It was students from, from all over and got to build this ramp for this lady. And uh, a lot of our students just spent time inside talking with her and uh, her, her boyfriend, I guess. And uh, he was not a believer, but at, like the end of the week, uh, he still wasn't a believer, but and he was like visibly just brought to tears at the compassion of these young people out there just serving and giving their time to build this ramp. And so mm-hmm. like, uh, it helped Joe move a little bit, a, a step closer towards knowing Jesus. And so it's just a great opportunity to, um, man, to really share the gospel with people. Yeah, that's Where, awesome. Great trip. If you're a student or a parent of a student, get your kids on that trip. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, it's on the screen. There it is. Infuge, June 28th through July 2nd. So yep. good. Um, hey, tell us the other thing. Paul is part-time on staff with us here because the other thing that he does part-time is he's partnered with an organization called Nexus International. And uh, it's a mission-sending organization. You're basically a missionary uh, that goes to different places in the world. You primarily go to South America. And it's a disciple-making organization as well. And so Paul is a disciple-maker of leaders in other countries that help disciple teenagers, uh, which is phenomenal. As a church, we just began sponsoring Paul. You probably don't know this yet, but we just began sponsoring Paul as one of our missionaries. Uh, we have four different couples that we sponsor through missions right now, and Paul is the newest one that we are, are giving money to to support his ministry, uh, which is a cool thing. But tell us a little bit more about Nexus, and then here's the other thing I want you to know. He is looking for individual support as well. If you financially would want to connect with him to just be a supporter for Paul. But tell us just briefly about what that ministry is and how people can connect with you to talk more about that. Yeah, so I work for Nexus International as well uh, as here. And um, so we work throughout Latin America. So from Mexico to Argentina, not just South America, Central included. Um, And our focus is on young people. I mean, we want to see youth around the world have an, an opportunity to hear about Jesus um, and so one thing that I've been fortunate with is here, in, you know, I've been doing youth ministry, student ministry here for seven, eight years now. And when we look at youth ministry as a whole, um, America itself spends 95% of the world's resources on youth ministry. And there's only like 3% of the world's youth that live in America. 97% are outside of there. And so it leaves a big issue and a big problem that these leaders around the world that have a heart to reach young people just don't have the resources to do so. Um, and so that's kind of where we step in. And you're talking about leading from a full cup. Um, many of these leaders don't have a healthy community around them, and their cup, their cup is, is very empty and low. Uh, and so we form this community with them, and we disciple them. Um, and we're basically pastors to these pastors um, and, and help them develop this, this healthy ministry and healthy vision of what youth ministry looks like in, in their culture uh, by teaching them to just disciple using doing the way the method that Jesus did 
by investing in a few to reach the many. Um, so I, within two minutes, it's hard to talk about everything that we do. But if you would love to, I would love to talk to any of you that might be interested uh, or hear any further about how we do that. So. That's awesome. Thanks so much, Pam. Appreciate that. Yeah, you guys give Paul a hand. Thanks. Well, as we close up this morning, here's what I want you to kind of take away from, from this last part is this, that as spiritually mature people, we don't get there in our own power. We do that and we become that dependent on the Holy Spirit. He leads us. So as you develop a relationship with the Spirit of God, who leads you to be more like Christ, who connects you to his Father in heaven, then you grow in that spiritual maturity. And so I know today's been a little bit different. We wanted to talk about this starting out launching point of this series called Me and My House. We also wanted to kind of use this as a vision Sunday for what we're going to be doing throughout this year. I hope you've heard some of those things today, how you can connect, how you can get involved, what it looks like for you as an individual and for you as a family to take next steps to be the spiritually mature people that God has called you to be. And so if you have questions about any of those things, we would love to talk with you more about that. And so this morning, I just want us to close this way. I want to just lead us in prayer. Uh, and ask God to do some things in us that will just bring us to that place of dependence on him and it'll grow us in that level of spiritual maturity. So if you will, would you just pray with me today? And would you just take a moment in your quiet and in your silence to ask God first and foremost to help you be the spiritually mature person that you need to be. And would you offer a prayer of praise and thanksgiving that Jesus has made that available to us? Just like we looked at in Ephesians this morning, that Jesus has given us everything we need, equipping us for the works of ministry to call us to maturity. So would you just praise him that he's taken that lead role to bring you to a place of spiritual maturity? Would you also ask God to show you how to lead spiritually in your family and what it looks like to help your kids, your grandkids, your nieces, your nephews, someone that you're with in a foster care situation, whatever it may be, how do you encourage them towards spiritual maturity? And then finally, would you ask the Holy Spirit to show you what your next step needs to be? Maybe it's being a part of a Bible study. Maybe it's being a part of that Monday night theology class. Maybe it's joining a life group. Perhaps it's discipling someone or being discipled and mentored by someone. But just ask the Holy Spirit to show you what's your next step this year that'll help you move toward a greater level of spiritual maturity.
Father, I love you. And I pray over my brothers and sisters in this room, just asking God that they will approach you deeply this year, that they will seek after your heart in the study of your word, in intimate time in prayer, in sharing their faith with others, in meditating deeply on scripture, in fasting and praying to seek after your heart, in being part of Bible study or discipleship or, or theology classes. God, whatever it is that you prompt us to do this year, to help us take next steps, to be the spiritually mature individuals we need to be, and to recognize that that happens most intimately when it comes in relationship with other people. So give us the deep relationships through life groups and through community that will push us forward and encourage us in our steps of growth and faith. We love you, God, and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for checking out our message today. We hope you are challenged and blessed by it. We want to invite you to come and worship with us in person if you live in the Tri-Cities area. We meet on Sunday mornings at 9 and 1045 a.m. at One Fellowship Point in Kingsport, Tennessee. You can also get more information about us from our website or our mobile app. Have a great day.